here we are, and welcome to another, well, part two of our Stranger Things conclusion episode. Maybe this is going to actually go in two parts, who knows. But I am back with my sister Becky. Again, scheduling made us have to break up the episode in different ways, but Becky, how you doing? I'm fine, but I feel like because I'm the only one on this call with you, it sounded extra thick and buttery i have to say somehow if it's going out to multiple people on the call it like dilutes the butteriness it was super buttery so i forget who it was but someone we knew listened to the podcast for the first time and was very and i mean we've been doing this now for almost two years right and Mm -hmm. And, you know, they just picked up a couple of episodes and they like awkwardly asked Allie, they were like, um, is Shai trying to do like a sexy voice without having <laughs> known that this has been a bit since what, like the seventh episode or something like that, that the, the butter, even if I didn't want to do it anymore, I, I can't not do the buttery, buttery voice, tones. the buttery tones and it's the, good and that we're referencing it in case someone's it, just picking it, up a rando app. Exactly. And then, and the fact that Lindsay and Jen were the ones who came up with the whole concept of it being the buttery voice anyways it's a bit people i'm not like trying to overdo it believe me I, otherwise i'd talk this way the whole episode oh god please so before we get into stranger things conclusion i have a list of things that i wanted to bring up and chat with you about yes okay so number one what if i told you there is a tv show created by guillermo del toro starring nick offerman and Tatiana Maslany, and Tatiana Maslany was kind of playing her Helena-type voice character, and it also had Glenn Close and Nick Frost. I feel like all of those, like, I don't even need the Guillermo del Toro part of it. That's, like, to me, the the, the least interesting. Tatiana Maslany and Nick Offerman teamed up. Like, whatever that is, I need to see it. So this is, you know how I love Trollhunters, the animated series? Yes. So yes, there is a... Aware a spin-off series or it's a it's a shared universe series called Three Below which I think might even be the superior show now that I'm watching that I just started is it a, is another animated show it's another animated show it's amazing it is okay. amazing oh and Diego Luna also is one of the voices oh okay yeah no 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 I'm in all I can say is that if you're a parent and you want to watch a show with your kids that is super fun that you will both enjoy that has great storytelling, great characters, and, like, great messages about growing up. And, and there's also, because the main characters are aliens from another planet, there's some really fun immigration subtext commentaries about being tolerant and, and stuff like that that are, that are cool. that's quite fun. So that's, my, that, that, that's one rec that I think you should check out. The other thing I wanted to review is that Mom and Dad and I were chit-chatting the other day, and we were talking about dad's taste in tv shows and dad has like a very specific Ugh, taste in so TV. weird no but he, he look dad recommends good shows but he he does recommend good shows but he's very specific with what he'll watch and the best was i was i was, so I was sort of doing a little riff making fun of the not, not making fun but sort of caricaturing the genre i said uh i bet dad's watching a show right now about a scottish bailiff Solving mysteries so he can win his so he can win his barrister's wig, and then mom said, "And I bet the name of the show is Marmite." Touche, mom. Yeah, Touché. That was, that, mom, that was a great bit, and dad, I'm sure would find this funny if he ends up hearing it because that is only out of love. Dad has great shows that he recommends, like Rake and The Bridge and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into Stranger Things, the conclusion. Wait, 
What? Uh, but are we going to... Oh, gonna, wait, okay. sorry. Uh, sorry. One of the biggest... Even, I had a huge development in my life. You had a huge, like, moment. Like, this is something I've been practicing for... I'm going to say 20 years I've been practicing this, and then this is something you just started. Right. This is, so not, really this is not hot yoga, people. This is not meditation, although... No, it's it was better. Ba- it, I, for the first time this week, went to a movie by myself. So proud of you. I, so you know, proud of you. You got it in just under the threshold of turning 40. Yeah. And so. if, I, if I didn't have the AMC A-list, I never would have. <laughs> I never would have paid money. So shout out to the Take Two podcast, guys. I totally got the A-list because they were always going to movies. And I was watching them on Instagram being like, I want to go to the movies that much. So I did it uh, earlier in the week. I think it was Monday. I just, boom, I went to see Spider-Man Far From Home. And so funny because I spent 20 bucks going to see it by myself at the Dolby Theater. Oh, well, that was, you were I like, mean, I wouldn't, yeah, you're like, I wouldn't have done it if I had to pay more money. Well, no, like, no, oh. I, w- I wouldn't have tried going to a movie by myself. Now oh, that I have a list, I'm like, we're all in. Oh, like, Spider-Man, why not? I would have pay, paid to see Spider-Man by myself, but I wouldn't have gone to see a movie by myself in general. So, Got so let, let me just set the scene as to how I help. Like, this is something that I've always viewed. Going to the movies by yourself is something like crazy people do in the middle of the day. Like, that it's not, like, normal for you to go and sit and watch a movie by yourself. But... Again, I know you've done it a lot. The Take Two guys do it. And then I was sort of reflecting a little bit on just, hey, I really want to see this movie. The family's out of town. I don't want to wait. You know what? And I don't, and people are, people are busy, so it's not easy to organize plans. I'll, I'll just go and check this movie out. And because I have A-list, I'm essentially already paying for it. So now, of course, I, I, I was mindful that I love to eat while I'm watching a movie. And mm-hmm. I could not go deep on one of the like. Lily and I ate a full bag of no. the mixed cheddar, the mixed cheddar caramel popcorn mix from AMC, and I think my body's still digesting it. Like Lily talks about, no, how it's like, going to be. Lily in talks your about how it gave the rest her, of your life. like it physically gave her nightmares. Not because like, she was thinking of the food, but just like the chemical effects. Yeah, no, no. But whatever, whatever is in there, the shelf life of it is like probably 150 oh. years in your body. It, it, well, the shelf life. They have the same. Pe- they have. <laughs> the same bucket of it that's like still there in the glass that everyone can see <laughs> they also have this red white and blue spider-man popcorn that just no one has ordered mm. and so we didn't i didn't want to do that so i i went home and i brought two chobani yogurts two peach on the bottom chobani yogurts which i'm back into eating my Susie's quinoa corn thin cakes a water bottle and some fiber one cinnamon bars, which are my cinnamon coffee you know, cake I had bars. Those very similar snack situations when we saw Spider Man Far From Home alone in the middle of the day at an AMC. So, so this so this was my dinner. So this was my dinner. Oh you did it for I did it for lunch. Okay. Well, so 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 I go in and I sit down and there's a guy like sitting next to me who I, it turned out. I what think do you mean not, next to you? Like how close next to you? Well, like no, in the I, seat directly next to you? Well, yeah. When I bought my suits, there was no one in my row. But this guy ended up next to me. I think he actually snuck in because in the middle of the show, he asked me for my ticket stub because he was trying to get his friend into the movie. Clearly, he had just snuck in entirely. Anyways, mm-hmm. the, but the point is, so I'm by myself and I don't really know what to do, and because I'm used to like whispering to people or talking, so I wait till the movie starts to start eating my food because you cannot kill your eating during the previews. Watch mm-hmm. the previews, and I ate. I started eating my yogurt and my snacks, and I'm like opening my little things and uh, working my way through it. And it was a really pleasant experience. And then, you know, no phone, 
right? It was like being on the airplane, actually watching a movie, only on the big screen and in an awesome reclining chair. So one of the things I like about a long airplane ride is that like peace and quiet of just watching a movie with nothing bothering you. So this was that, but it was like I was in first class. Yes. <laughs> and I reclined back and I totally absorbed myself in the movie more than I normally would. And right. Because I, you're not worrying about someone else's reaction, so you're just enjoying it for well, how you're I, enjoying I'm it. I'm not always worrying about other people's reactions. I mostly just want to make predictions and talk about like references to things. That's but true. I just I cheered and I laughed and I cackled and we can talk about the movie, but I just so then I loved it so much that I actually went back at the end of the week and I went to see Stuber, which that oh, was a real test because like second one by yourself. Yeah, because Spider-Man Far From Home that's an easy one to just enjoy. Spider-Man Far From Home, I knew I was going to like. Like, even if it was lame, yeah. I was going to like it. But Stuber, Brian from Take Two had earlier in that day crushed it. Like, like just eviscerated it on his uh, Instagram, uh, on his Instagram story. So, already I was going into it like, oh, wow, someone whose taste I respect hates this movie. But going by myself, and going by myself, going by myself, again, it was a lovely experience. Although, my snack situation there was, I got a sandwich from Subway. I splurged. I got a little Italian BMT with turkey instead of ham. All right. Uh, and I got some pop chips and more Fiber One coffee cake. Don't you want to know what my and, and what vanil- my movie theater and vanilla diet rupert? No, no, no. I need now need to know before we review the movies. I need to know about your whole experience okay. and your reflection on me having done this after well, thirty nine years of watching movies. I'm very proud of you. I'm someone who, while I'm an extrovert and I love being around people, I really take a lot of joy, a lot of pleasure from doing things completely by myself, at my own pace, in my own way, without having to worry about anyone or adapting to anyone, and just like having the me time. And so movies are something that I've I've always enjoyed going to by myself, certainly in moments of my life when I've been fun employed or recovering from a surgery or whatnot. to enjoy a little daytime movie treat. Um, it feels like I'm doing something a little bit uh, sneaky, you know? It's like going into first class. <laughs> yeah, it's sneaky. Um, so so I've, I've always enjoyed it, and this time what happened was I'd been, I really wanted, I really wanted to see Spider-Man, and I don't really have any friends that are like that into superhero movies that they'll like go with me and spend the money. Um, edgy, but he has a job now, so, you know, he's too busy for me. And Vlad certainly isn't going to get a babysitter to come with me to see this. So it just seemed like the perfect opportunity. I'm having a few quiet days around the house. Might as well just take advantage. Um, I was on the fence about it because there was a feeling of guilt. And then Lily reminded me that if my husband had free time, he would be surfing. So why would I think twice about doing the thing that would bring me joy? And if you're a Friday Night Movie sibling, going to a movie or watching a movie or a show, that is your surfing. That is your surfing. As Lily says, we have a podcast. (laughs) You're damn right. Exactly. And I was like, and we're going to review it for the podcast. So I hopped in the car, did a quick stop at Whole Foods, got myself some vegetarian sushi, some hippie vegan cheddar puffs. Very nice. Not eating those. You should. They are amazing. I was looking for a cheddar-based snack, but I couldn't find one in a bag that wasn't enormous. And so I just went with pop chips. So, so the vegan cheese hippies are like a 
they like they like cheddar but like not actual cheese and they're really good um some fresh fruit a little spindrift drink for myself and uh snuck all my goodies in and because i was in the dolby seat it's really like it's like a lounge barca lounger chair and you have these like huge armrests so i could set up all my like my whole tray of food like all my various courses and stuff it was fabulous and i same as you i laughed i cheered i enjoyed myself through and through that doesn't mean i don't think there were problematic elements of the movie yeah we could but i will say this i will say this tom holland is my spider-man yeah he's my spider-man he's my peter parker i love him i i think similar to the way i felt about endgame which was imperfect although i I enjoyed this more than endgame um much more it's also uh, an hour shorter yeah um when you put this in the context of where you are in the marvel universe i think ultimately what this movie was about was Passing the torch, saying that yes. Iron Man is gone. Spoiler, whatever. I mean, it's, it's in the commercial. Okay, that Iron Man is gone movie. and that Spider-Man is going to be one of your leaders or the leader of the Marvel Universe going into the next phase. And mm-hmm. if you're a kid who grew up reading Marvel comics, you know that Spider-Man... Like, Marvel Universe ultimately is about... Like, Spider-Man is the guy. I know he wasn't the first creator who created in the 60s, but he's the symbol of everything that is Marvel. And... It's so amazing that we actually got a decade, in the end, if you look back on it, a decade of Spider-Man outside of the universe. So they built so much. They didn't have to build it all around Spider-Man that now they're putting him in. And the torch really has been passed. And they did it in a really emotional way. And I want to give credit to Tacos and Turntables, our our cousin Jesse's podcast, because I was listening to it earlier today. But something I I agree with 100% that that they were talking about was that how Uncle Ben, which, by the way, I I personally, they they were kind of lamenting that they weren't talking about Uncle Ben. I'm so sick of hearing that Uncle Ben story. I'm so over it. I love love the little homage where it just has his initials on the suitcase. And I'm like, great. Like, there's little Uncle Ben homage throughout and that's fine we know the backstory even spider-verse yeah. just skipped it right yeah skipped it no well well kind of the uncle ben oh, really backstory. it went very fast yeah it went fast through it and then um but then when we talk about but 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 as we talk about in this movie they had him experience a loss that they had been building in fact rather than jamming into some origin thing the whole iron man relationship is again it's that it's not just about great power comes responsibility but it's like okay now you have this power step up and 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 save the day and no and what i really enjoyed about as far as like the that storyline and the performance is is how emotional it really genuinely was you know him experiencing that loss and coping with it and struggling with it um and and honestly i really as far as like developing his character and his place in the marvel universe really thoroughly enjoyed the movie really my only problem is that this takes place eight months after endgame during the battle against Thanos, where were Tony Stark's one billion weaponized droids? droids. <laughs> drones. Droid, drones. Right. They didn't get go, They didn't where go away they? in the snap. Where were they? No, I'm just saying, like, they're obvious. Like, they seem to be up and running for this battle, but Tony Stark only died eight months ago. No one made them in the last eight months. Like, what's... You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't even think of that question. Why but... weren't... This is the only I could not stop thinking about that. I'm not sure the Why drones would have helped much against like a satanic army. 
Yeah, but they but you're still killing these armies. These, oh, these soldiers like when there are thousands of like villi- right, like they would have had. Why their don't you own? Just bring out your like literally probably ten thousand weaponized drones that can come out and shoot like you know perfect missiles and stuff? Like where where were they? I'm just saying. I'm just. Saying. That's a, that that's, a, that's an interesting complaint. Well, so I, as far as like, I, as far as the complaint that I had is that, but my, I want to say my complaint, but there there is a twist. So again, spoiler alert. Don't keep listening. But but if you know anything about the Marvel universe, you know I, I was a little bit confused. I was like, oh, is Mysterio supposed to be from another planet in this one? But if you know anything about Spider-Man, you know that Mysterio has his particular powers of illusion, and that those were probably playing in somehow to what was going on, and that there was going to be some sort of a flip and um and while i really loved the way he seduced peter parker the way gyllenhaal who i really generally i mean he's a cool guy but he's not an actor who i love i thought he was actually really good in this role because he could play so many different personalities he's a really good actor um he's a really but, good actor every time i see they, a movie with a minute i'm like god damn gyllenhaal the, the, well, well, tell me what you think of this. They didn't spend a lot of time, like, uncovering the mystery. They moved to uncover the mystery quickly. And maybe yes. that was actually good, because anyone who's watching it and knows anything about Marvel knew that Mysterio yes. was really Mysterio. Also, I don't think that that was the most interesting part of the movie. Like, that, like, it was good that they revealed it early, because that's not what's interesting. What's interesting is when we know, and watching Peter kind of like go through his evolution like that to me like i think it just allows more of the focus to be on peter parker spider-man and you know and his change and his progression not so much about what's the secret with the big bad guy okay before we move on to stranger things because okay. we're yeah. talking about teenagers here yeah how how did you think they handled the whole teenage teen movie in europe teenage relationships, teenage characters. How did you like, how did you think about the way they handled that in this movie? I I feel like it felt like normal. Like that's like what teen is more. It's more likely that's what teenagers are like than what you see in Riverdale. Right. Like if this were Riverdale, you know, they would be like opening. uh, Now that's not a knock against Riverdale. No, I love Riverdale, but if it were Riverdale, they'd be like opening a secret burlesque house in like, you know, I really like like the, Venetian Canal. Like, this was just like, oh, yeah, kids in Europe being awkward. That makes more sense. I really like that. And I give – Zendaya was amazing. And, like, and like listening to their teachers and, like, doing what their yeah. teachers say. Yeah. <laughs> like Zendaya, Zendaya was amazing. Ned was amazing. Yeah. Flash was great. They really – this entourage of teenage friends. Flash, Flash Thompson. The kid who, like, hated Spider-Man in the previous one and now oh, loves Spider-Man. Oh, my God. I love him. Yeah, they, they – or he's always mean to Parker, and but he's – so, so, so I thought they did a really great job, and I love that they just – they didn't over-sexualize these kids. They oh. didn't – they made them just, like, funny, awkward kids, and – that's a great segue into Stranger Things because I think one of the great strengths of Stranger Things is the relationships between those teenagers. Yeah, between the kids and letting them be kids and behave like kids despite all the craziness going on in their world. Right, like I thought it was so cute when they had Elle and Mike like making out secretly in the beginning of this season, but it wasn't (laughs) like gross. I mean, I love a TV show like Sex Education, but it wasn't like Sex Education, nor did that need to be that way for that to be. No. And then it was also like 
I don't know the way that their their conversations go when they are breaking up and trying to get back together. Like it just seemed much more oh um, authentic. When she goes in to watch the guys and they burp and fart, it was amazing. Okay, so let's so let's. I want to ask. There's two there's two questions that I want to ask you that I asked Lily, and then I want to deep deep into like a real analysis of L because I know mm-hmm. you're a real L expert, and I and she's my MVP in the season. So. Uh, Spoilers everywhere here. What'd you think about Harper, Hopper, what happened with Hopper at the end? And do you think he's dead? Okay, so first of all, the whole, immediately, my, immediately when it happened, all I could think was, well, there's clearly plenty enough, plenty of time for him to run back to safety because he didn't travel physically that far. He's like, 30 feet from safety so he could start running back to safety as Joyce is flipping the switches to blow up the machine so immediately my mind goes to oh this is a setup for season three it's going to be something about his body missing like there's going to be a this is just a setup for season for sorry for season four oh, so you were and already so thinking think, that okay I was already there and so I think I had a hard time with the emotional moment of it because I was like eh, it's a setup like I just don't like it wasn't done well enough for me that I was like oh it's a setup one but two I really like I as far as like Elle and what she's gonna go through I found it like really deeply upsetting and troubling to think that she would lose him right and that and that to me yeah. what sells Hopper going because he wasn't even a likable Hopper at the end oh he was pretty annoying the whole season is is her acting and feeling her loss because this is the yeah. person that was her father basically her so real I don't father. mind it happening because I feel like it's like okay it's a, some some sort of plot set up for season four as far as because they're not killing him off the show they're not like he's gonna be he's gonna continue to be in the show he's, well apparently and apparently I read this and I don't know if it really happened because I went and I checked on Instagram and it wasn't there but apparently he left some w- mysterious digits on his Instagram and it was a phone number you could call and if you called you got a message from uh, what's his name Bauman the uh, the what's his name what's that guy's name with the beard the, the yeah, 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 yeah. So, so apparently they're already okay. hinting they're already hinting that like Mm-hmm. Harbor's not well, out. Well, first of all, there's no there's no mention of a funeral or a finding the body or anything like that, one. And then, two, there's um, the, the, the epilogue scene, the, the after credit scene. The American. Scene. Yeah, so, you know, so we, we know. So I just think it's, <laughs> unless it's Billy. He was kind of ripped apart. Um, so that's kind of where I would, was. I didn't feel emotional during it because in my mind, I'm like, he's not dead. It's a setup for the next season. So right. I wasn't upset. And, and now, never ending story. By rent or meh, that scene. I have to tell you, because it's the type of, it's the type of reference that, that worked for me because unlike Back to the Future, I'm not seeing clips of it where it's like, oh, by the way, this is like Back to the Future from the 80s. You either know that song and know what it's from or you don't. Oh, wow. You just like, so Lily and I, I, I in particular went hard after this. I was oh, like, what the heck is like this? There's no, for, to me, it was a such a gimmick. Really know, no, it's for people who really know it. So going to a movie theater and being like, oh, look, it's Back to the Future. You're like, that's from the 80s. Oh. This is like, you either know that song and you know what it's from because you grew up in the 80s and you watch a movie a hundred times. You're like, what the? F- what are they singing? Okay, so the, you have actually changed my opinion on this. So look, I, a man can l- 
learn things even when he's old. I went to the movies alone, and you've moved me. The thing you haven't moved me on is that the three minutes they spend singing that probably could have saved Hopper's life. Very, yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, like, if I met Susie and I was Elle, I would be like, you killed my father. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's That's talk about Elle's fun. journey. Tell me where you think where you think she is now, and like where she where what she went on this season, and where do you think she's going next? So this season was, and it was really interesting. We talked about this when we when we talked like at the midway point of the show now versus the end. One of the concerns you brought up is is she using her powers too much, and her powers become throughout the season something that she uses she uses as like a regular thing it's like captain just, marvel like she's just so powerful she's just like bing bob boom boom i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that like she's constantly using her powers so that we're seeing her kind of evolve in that way is that it really is becoming a part of her personality of of her character trait you know using it in all these very simple ways to close the door to what i don't whatever all things like that and at the end of the season where it seems that she has potentially lost her powers I think that will be a really interesting character development transition for season four is who is Elle without her powers oh that's great I like that right and so that's where I think like you really talk about growing a character you know you you raise them up you bring them down you know you do these things you that stretch them and pull them so that they have to like so they're they're growing and so i think that that'll be really interesting to to see um so that's how i feel about uh, about her powers and 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 i understand i do have a question so just make sure i understood the plot of the season correctly i mean the plot is her powers allowed her to close the gate to the upside down. Now, because of that, when the mind flayer comes back, because the gate gets reopened, so he's like reanimated. So essentially, they close the gate season two. Yeah, but they also mind said that the mind flayer was stuck outside the gate at one it point. Was, it was stuck outside the gate, but because it was cut off from the inside out, it had no abilities. It had no power. As soon as the gate. So explain to me, was the mind flayer? in the earth or was is the mind flare actually inside the upside down and that spider creature is just an extension of the mind flare and it was just yeah, hanging out basically the brain of the mind flare what controls it is in the upside down but like that in essentially that is an extension of it and so the mind flare is not able to leave the upside down i guess because the gate or whatever the reasons but it can but the but but it can they say that if the body is cut off from the brain, and when you close the gate, it's cut off from the brain. What, what is the Mind Flayer's motivation? We don't know. I mean, I'm not saying we have to know. We, to dis- we don't. All these, the most they say is that to destroy all humankind. But the reason that it specifically wants to go after L first is because L is the only one with the power to close the gate, correct? Yes. It, it, is, okay. it is fixated on L. It didn't, I don't think the Mind Flayer, I think the creation of L. And the existence of the Mind Flayer's world may not be connected. But, I don't think they are. But L was used essentially to open that. Open the gate. Open and then the gate and then close the gate. And that as a result, she is the only human threat they know of, that the Mind Flayer knows of, that is a threat to the Mind Flayer. Right. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that. But the other X Men kids could easily be a threat. I don't know if they reappear ever. Yeah, I'm one of those people who thought that thing was cool, and they should 
finds if they didn't like the actors or they didn't test well, find another. I mean, clearly they can. I don't introduce understand. New I don't understand how you didn't have patience for like two minutes of hearing the never-ending story song, <laughs> but yet you could watch an entire episode of characters that never resurface that have nothing to do with the rest of the show. I thought it was, thought it was interesting. Punk Rock L, it was a, a yeah. fair. You, you make a good point, and you have softened me on the never-ending story thing, although I think it was, I viewed it more, I viewed it in a different way than you viewed it, and, and, and yeah, I, I think understand. if I view it from your perspective, it's a much, it's a much, it's you. I was viewing it as something everybody knows, and that it was swinging for the cheap seats. And you actually no, view it more as like, it. as you view it as this like random deep cut that you only get it if you get it. Yeah, because people might know like a little bit about Never Ending Story, but unless you watch that movie, you that's like the opening song and the closing song. You have to have like sat. You know what I mean? That's true. And those kids did sing it well. Okay. Sang um, very well. What do you think? Do you think Elle and Mike... I can't handle Elle and Mike not being together. It stresses me out. No, I actually, like, I understand that Joyce needs to move the kids away at the end because it's like... I mean, who wants okay, to live there? multiple times in a row, whatever that gate opens and it tries to, like, murder her family, I get it. The smart thing to do is to move away. But I also feel like considering the trauma they've experienced, how do you expect them to relate to other children, to, to relate to other people, if you're taking them away from the only people that understand what they've been through. So I was like a little bit and upset. Are, are we assuming that L was left to Joyce in his will? Hopper doesn't strike me as a guy who's responsible enough to have a will, but no, she probably just like adopts her because it's like what custody. Oh, that makes. Yes, yeah, I think it's like the only thing that just like makes sense. Because L once lived at Will uh, at at Mike's house. She can't go back and live at Mike's yeah, house. Yeah, but but Will but but Mike's mom doesn't know or understand anything about Elle. Oh, that's more a really sense. good like, point. Joyce's kid was possessed by the Mind Flayer. She fully understands Elle's powers. She's been through the whole thing. Like, Joyce is the only person that it makes sense to care for I, I wonder what the either the fallout or the upside of Elle and Will living in the same place will be. I'll be really interesting to see them become friends because they don't have I, much of a relationship. And I really like that they have, like, Will has his own powers now and they've committed to that. He's like the warning system. And yeah. I, it gives him a little bit more purpose. I, I think that kid is, I think that kid, considering he was barely in the first season, I think that kid's a really yeah. good actor and I think that's a they really tough position well. to be in. Um, and. But isn't Jonathan old enough to, like, not move with his mom? Like, he could stay back and be with his girlfriend? I, I'm just he, I, I mean, considering that his mother basically doesn't worry or care about him. Yeah. Like, like if Jonathan had been the one who had been taken by the by the Upside Down, do you think we she ever would have even gone looking for him? Mm-hmm. Debatable. Debatable. Okay, so yeah. let's get into MVPs and LVPs and MIPs. So mm-hmm. my, I'll give you mine because I gave them to Lily already, and I'll just give you quickly. So L is my MVP to me, and also Billy Bobby Brown. Holy moly, is she amazing. My LVP yep. was Hopper this season, not because I don't love David Harper, not because I don't love David Harbor, Harbor, or because I don't like the actual character. I just think they did him dirty in this in this season. He was, like, schlubby and annoying, and he was, like, m- dressed like Magnum the whole time. I, I just, Hopper, like, if Hopper died where he died, at where he was personality-wise, I was like, yeah, all right. 
And then most improved, I'm, I had I had Joyce for the first half, but for second half, I'm going with Max, because I think Max is a character who was didn't have as many dimensions last season. She was just like a little added spice brought in to mix up the friends. But by the end, especially with her her trying to reason with her brother, her crazy abusive brother, and and the journey she goes on with Elle as friends, to me, like Max has really improved as a character and being interest and me being interested in her. So that's where I'm at. Where are you at? Um, so I actually, I, I, you know, I can give different answers, but I'll have to 100% agree about your MVP and, and LVP. I think for me, I wonder with Hopper how much of it was the way the character was written or the way the character, they, or the way they chose to direct it, because mm. he was constantly shouting. And oh, whereas in the first season, in the first season, um, his evolution of a character was so interesting and in the second season it felt like we really went deeper with him and his like bond and relationship with Elle and 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 his obsessiveness of protecting her and then in this season it was like they just got stuck in a loop with him and just decided he's just a shouty cranky drunk you know old man basically and, and, and I, I just don't like the way it was he was and, directed and I didn't love the moonlighting shtick with him and Joyce like why are him no. and Joyce suddenly antagonizing each other? I get that they like each other and stuff, but but it, it was with, too with everything much. with everything they've been through, you'd think they'd be more sympathetic with each other, right? right? And it was just it was very loud. It kind of gave me a headache. I didn't, you know, it didn't feel like it went anywhere. It didn't feel like it evolved anywhere, and it and it felt like it actually it didn't contribute to sexual tension between the two of them or totally. create chemistry between the two of them. I thought they had a lot more chemistry in the first season when they were sad, <laughs> right? Um, um, so, so that, so I agree with you. And yes, again, you know, everything centers around her powers, maybe second to her as um, MVP. If we just want to shake it up, give people something different, I would probably say Will. Because wow. His well, because his character really had purpose this season, and he was in conflict. You know, he he was the one that was he wasn't just in the conflict victim. with 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 the rest of his friends and being a different personality, being a different kid, going through something that was uniquely his own, that wasn't what his friends were going through. But I feel like again, because they gave him gave him these like little bit of powers, they gave him a lot of purpose this season. And you got to really like you were talking about this before. You got to really see his character, kind of. Um, become something of, of much more significance, right. you know? Um, so that was really cool. Is that your most and improved too, or do you have another most improved? No, my most improved for me is the, like, crazy paranoid conspiracy theory guy that Joyce and uh, Hopper... Oh, yeah, you, you think he earned a spot? I He just really Bauman. most improved because he's just, like, such a nut, but by the end of, like, those last two, three episodes, he really brings it. He really does well, a lot. Well, the Scoop Squad, which has really developed as its own oh. almost, like, spinoff, which he is, yeah. I guess, a part of in the end, was, right, isn't he kind of in the Scoop Squad at the end, basically? I feel like they paired him off with Dustin and because of the, the, the walkie-talkie. Yeah, 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 the walkie-talkie thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I will say, I, I found I also like one thing I forgot to talk about. One thing I do enjoy about him that he did in both seasons. Right, because he was in last season too. Don't Jonathan and Nancy go hook visit up. him? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, 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 he, and, and he's like the like sexual tension reader. That part 
I really, really thought was funny. Right. And his yeah. friendship with Alexi was really funny. Um, he's very, really and like how. And, and, yeah. and actually, I, I was surprised. I didn't think, I didn't think actually Alexi was going to die. I thought they were just going to have a new character because they just love adding new characters. Uh, all right, Beck. Any other wrecks or things on your Ooh, mind? My computer is going to turn off in a second, only okay. 1%. Where I have to rent my. You? Uh, at Paper BK Princess on Twitter. And you can follow me at Pancake for Table. Uh, Pancake, the number four, and Table. And all the Friday Night Movie shenanigans at Friday Night Movie on Twitter and Instagram. The musical theme song is by What Does It Eat? And I think we're wrapping up. Beck, thanks so much. Love you. Bye. 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 She's whispering. She's in baby's room, I think. I'm right by my daughter's room while she's napping. Hold on. We're plugged in. Okay, yeah, bye. I have nothing to recommend. Good good, good, good app. Love you. Bye.